Episode 22, SaaS Pricing. Is the price right? Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of GatherUp and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And I think summer has uh, just about set for me as we are uh, in the last week of, of August here. And soon enough, uh, hopefully we'll be enjoying long weeks of Minnesota Falls and then the inevitable uh, winter abyss. Um, yep. But so, so far, uh, I've been doing a, a pretty good job this summer on spending my weekends up at the family cabin and out in the boat with the kids and on the water and, and things, things like that, which has made my July and August feel really great, much different than how like March, April, and May felt. And how has that been for you, Darren, since we haven't really talked in well over uh, a month on the podcast anyway? Yeah, it's been a while. The uh, The summer's been nice. We've been trying hard to get our backyard all nicely set up. So we got things like a new swing and we got a hammock. We just recently invested in like a nice projector and a screen so we can do like backyard movie night. I saw that. So, yeah, we're trying to take advantage of the summer. And because this particular summer is the summer of COVID, we're mostly staying home. We're not going anywhere. And so we're trying to make the most of our backyard enjoy being outside because we have such a short period here in Edmonton like it's getting cold I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now like it's it gets cold like near the end of August September is our only month of fall we start seeing snow in October so yeah we tried to cram it in as much as we could yeah yeah now we're we're not there yet I do like fall's my favorite season but we've still been doing 85 to 90 degree days the last couple so yeah yeah, it's getting cold here already. Yeah. No, no good. Well, I know you have been extremely busy. Uh, White Spark is putting on a local search summit with yep. 30 speakers. 33 or 34 in total. So, yeah, basically, if you are you know somewhat known local search uh, speaker or writer, like you, you kind of write about local search, you're mostly speaking at our, you're, you're pretty much going to be speaking at our conference. So I'm so excited about that. We have a huge lineup. And yeah, it's been busier than ever trying to get all of these um, uh, talks recorded. So the whole thing's going to be pre-recorded. So I've been really busy with that. I'm also super busy trying to set up uh, the local search ranking factor survey for 2020. That's getting put together right now. Aaron, you should get an email in your inbox this afternoon with an invite to take the survey. So that's what my talk is going to be on. So I've been busy trying to that together and also another thing is like we have three different sort of mini product launches that we're trying to time with the summit so oh wow dev Dev is busy and yeah it's it's been busy as hell (laughs) yeah what would you say what's your like uh weekly time commitment to the summit so far yeah over the last couple months it's probably been 20 hours 20 hours a week for the last like eight weeks ish wow yeah considerable but i would say the return on investment is going to be huge because it's already big. Like we are already feeling it. And it's because, you know, we're doing the marketing for the summit, right? And so that ends up generating a ton of buzz. All the speakers are talking about it. 
Everyone's sharing it. Everyone is seeing the White Spark brand everywhere. And so our business is better than ever right now. And uh, we're seeing really good growth right now. Um, so, and I think it's just going to continue to grow up until this like sort of pinnacle of the, the conference. And then we'll have a really good drop off from that. But then it's evergreen content. We're going to keep using it. We'll do it again next year. And I will, then we have like a year's worth of content we'll be pulling out for more marketing, right? So I think it's going to be kind of nuts. I really think this is going to be a great voice part. That's awesome. And I think that's a great little marketing tidbit in there. Like even, right, the, you can look and say, right, the, the event itself, the day it's carried out and you play all the presentation over those days, like that's the marketing and that's the buzz. But just as you alluded to, it's like, it's all of the the pre-marketing with it, right? Where like you guys are, it gives you a ton to like post about socially on, you know, Twitter. I know you guys have been using LinkedIn and seeing great traction yep. at LinkedIn. And yep. then you have 30 plus speakers that they're all putting it out on their channels. Like there's some really great like ripple and carry effect on this. And you're still a couple of weeks away from the event itself. I, it's just kind of amazing. And I'm going to have to give a shout out to Summit Beast. We've been working with uh, this company called Summit Beast run by uh, Matthew Hunt and uh, Editor McKinsey. McKinsey. And uh, they've been really instrumental in helping us put this together in terms of getting organized, what we need to do, uh, helping us develop our ads, our sponsorship packages, our outreach, everything. It's, they, they've been really great to work with. So if this is something you're thinking about, I couldn't recommend more. They're awesome. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I think I heard through the grapevine that Traject, who is our kind of yep. group of of products for uh, Gather Up, is uh, likely going to be a sponsor. Going to be great. Yeah, I had a talk with uh, Caitlin about that, and we're uh, looking at um, sponsorship program with them. That's actually another marketing vehicle too, right? Because these partner these uh, sponsorship packages, they end up getting the white spark brand in front of their audience too. Right. And so, yep. and then what we're doing is any sponsorship dollars we get, we funnel right back into uh, advertising for the summit. Cause our goal is to get as many attendees as possible. So, you know, it's not a money-making venture on its, in its own right. Like we don't care to make cash from the event, but it's the uh, brand building and uh, authority will build through, through doing it. Well, make sure you take like detailed notes on some of this stuff. Cause I think this would make a great, topic of conversation after everything wraps up and you're able to do a postmortem on it, yep. kind of break down all of those things and see like, all right, what, you know, what did the 30 or 60 days after the event um, look like as well as pre for how it impacted our marketing and sales and, and things like that. Yep. I think there's a lot there. Totally. Will do. Uh, what's going on with you these days? You know, um, probably if anything right now, just kind of like sitting in this holding pattern because the kids start school. Uh, the second week of right. September and my two oldest ones are in the high school. So they're on a, what's called a hybrid. So they'll be in school two days a week. And then they like alternate a, an additional Friday every other week. And then the yeah. other days they distance learn. So, and then my uh, third daughter, she's in middle school. She'll be alternating as well. And then my little guy, he's not in school yet. He's just four. Right. So I don't, don't have to worry about that with him, but yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see like how this plays out to some extent, like how long will this last? Like, will it be able to be carried out the way that they're thinking? Will we see a spike in 
cases. You watch what's happened with some of these universities and reversing mm-hmm. course from in-person classes to distance. And yeah, it's just kind of like, all right, it's, I don't know. You, you definitely know you're getting on a roller coaster and it's like, all right, well, you're getting on the ride and be prepared for the ups and downs and fear and fun and <laughs> whatever else is combined in it. Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Violet, our daughter is staying, uh, staying home. So they have an, our, our school board has put out an online option. And so we're going to take advantage of that because honestly, for us, we just, there's too many unknowns. It's like, we don't know enough about the virus, but it looks like the majority of her school is going back. So it should be one of, one of a few that are are just sticking with the online option, but we're just going to play it safe. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, totally. And other than that, like on the professional side, I have been missing lately, like conferences and travel and that you know just free time to get inspiration and and things like that and you know i really didn't for the first you know three four months of everything that's gone on since march and it's like i don't don't know it's like it it was obviously so focused there are so many things going on and you're focused on customer retention and it's completely overwhelmed personally with like figuring things out and keeping your family safe and all those kind of things and as those things have matured, like, you know, just lately it's like, man, and I'm just not built the way to like, wow. Yeah. I just want to get up and have five zoom meetings every single day, day after day. Like I like, yeah, I like, I like these breaks where it's like, Hey, for a few days, I'm at a conference and I'm talking to smart people and I'm immersing in that experience. And, you know, just allows me to get my head around other things and network and learn and all of that. And I've, I've definitely been missing that lately. So I'm I'm looking yeah. for I'm looking forward to, you know, year summit the few months back we had a local U advanced and that was a really fun day. It was great to see, you know, so many other familiar faces and just learn and see what people are talking about and and things like that. It's, you know, not as good as in person, but it's still like just access to so much great information which obviously is great to spurn the brain, but it just yeah. It feels really weird, right? Like I was thinking about this because there's another um, virtual conference next week in our space. Uh, Saster's annual is is doing it. And it's like, right. I'm like, oh, should I put in a couple of, you know, not days off to attend talks that I want to attend to on this? Or like, can you not take the time off because you're at home? Like, so just you have two or three open hours, so you can only go to talks then like it. I don't know. It just feels really weird to me as opposed to, hey, I'm going to be out of office for these three days at a conference and just so be it, right? It's not vacation, but it's not normal like grind of the day. It's still work. But I don't know. It just feels it feels different to me. I guess like I'm just kind of struggling. Like, how do I structure this? There's a bunch of things I'd like to go to. And do I just tell people I'm not going to make these normal meetings that are important and keep things flowing and whatever else because i need some education and interaction and inspiration i don't know yeah it's so much more clear cut when you're getting on a plane and going to another city to go to a conference that you're like hey i'm I'm gone for the next three days but when you're just sitting at home you're like well i guess i can answer those emails and, and jump on this call this this important meeting or whatever and so even though you're supposed to be attending a conference it's hard to dedicate that time when you're not actually physically out of your office yeah yeah, totally. So I, don't know, I need to figure something out, but a little bit of a loss with it, right? It wasn't like a, cl- I didn't have a clear feeling right away, like, oh, this is how I want to handle that or present it or manage my schedule, which yep. I don't know, kind of interesting. Usually I'm pretty clear cut on those things, but not this time. Yep. Yep. 
Well, I so, look forward to getting back to meeting in person. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think it's going to a while away from that, but it'll be good when we get there. Somehow, some way, we're going to get there. Um, you know, Darren, I couldn't help but notice, since I'm connected to you on more than a few different social channels, that right. our, you know, our topic today was kind of born out of the fact that you know, you had, you know, you had a not so great experience around kind of pricing and, and customer engagement and a contract uh, that that you were in. And yep. then that led me to say like, oh, well, you know, pricing is always on my mind. There's a lot of things to talk about. So let, let's talk about pricing. But let's start with, you know, what you recently have gone through. And I think there's some things we can pull out of that that are like what what I would consider to maybe be, you know, no-nos or a great way to uh, alienate or piss off a customer just as it did. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So we were using this uh, uh, CRM. Actually, no, we, it was just me. Like I had signed up for the CRM called Copper and I, I quite liked it. It seemed pretty good, but I found that I wasn't really using it because, you know, as the leader of the company, I'm just too busy with many things and I, I'm not really doing much for sales anymore. Like when I tried it out, I was, I was trying to be a bit more organized with my enterprise sales stuff. But I've just backed away from that. And I'm like, okay, other people in the company, you handle that. I'm, I'm not doing it right now because I'm too busy with other things. So since I wasn't using the software, I actually even put it on my calendar. I put a little reminder in my calendar, cancel copper before it renews. And so that was like five days before the renewal. So I went into the copper settings. I'm looking to how do I cancel it? And so I, uh, I canceled it. And then I get an email from support and it says... You know, sorry that, you know, it didn't work out for you. If you have any feedback, we'd really like to hear it. Just wanted to let you know that your subscription will continue running until the end of August uh, 2021. And uh, I saw that and I was like, huh. So I replied and I was like, oh, I think you meant end of 2020. Like my renewal is up in about a week. And he said, oh, yeah, no, sorry. We have like a 30 day cancellation policy. You have to cancel within 30 days. Uh, Otherwise, uh, you know, it renews for another year. And I replied and I was like, well, uh, you know, this is actually why I canceled because I haven't been using it. And if you check my account, I haven't actually logged in or, or even touched it in about seven months. It was a bit of a mistake to sign up for an annual uh, plan anyways. I was like, "Are you, is there anything you can do? Like, I have not using the software. I really don't want to pay for it for another year. And he's like, well, no, sorry, that's our policy. And then I even gave him one last chance. I was like, Okay, I know it's your policy, but uh, you know it's not really great customer service. And I got to tell you that it, if if you're not willing to help me out here, I'm probably going to complain all over social media. And I don't know if that's that's in your best interest. And he's like, "Sorry, there's nothing we can do." Oh man! So I did. I complained all over social media because I hate that shit. Like, why? Why would you do that? This is at our company. If someone forgot to cancel. And then they come back to us a week later and they said, hey, I'm really sorry. I haven't been using the software. Could I get a refund? Our answer is absolutely no problem. We, we look, you haven't used it in two months. You know what? We're going to give you a refund. We're going to refund that last month too. So we, you got to take care of your customers. Like why do they want that $228 more than the goodwill that they will foster. It's like that, that $228 is going to cost them way more because I, I posted on LinkedIn. I posted on Twitter. My LinkedIn post 
has 142 reactions, 79 comments, and 24,000 views. 24,000 people saw my post where I was saying, don't use copper. I'm really not happy with their business practices. This is what they did. The damage to their business is astronomical. They got $228 for me, but man, did they create a reputation problem. And a lot of people that were thinking about using copper probably won't now because it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's just really poor customer service. Yeah. Are they? That's what I'm annoyed with right yeah. now. <laughs> and you know, over. yeah, no, I get it. Right. And like, and you see this more and more, like we just, there's a deal we recently signed I, and I didn't have a great time in the process, but it was buying some uh, data and access to contact information. And in, in doing so one, like I, I felt like they were making it hard for me to buy, which I thought really stunk. And then the same thing is like when you read their contract, right? It's like, it's almost like this poison pill thrown into it that, you know, Hey, this is going to auto renew unless you yeah. cancel X amount ahead of time. Right. And it's like right. the same way where you, right. Had to go put something on your calendar. You knew you needed to like cancel before the renewal. You didn't know, you know, you missed the 30 days ahead of the anniversary date on it. Um, that's, that's just crazy, right? Like our financial person has to go and put a reminder on their calendar to then reach out to me and make sure that we don't want to renew at that time just as a checks and balance. And that's sure. This is so much extra work. And it just feels like, hey, we feel better. Like, we hope you forget, right? We hope you forget and want to just keep paying us. Yeah. It's not yeah. even the attitude. It doesn't feel like this attitude of we want to make a great product that's really valuable that you're going to like pay to use over and over. Yeah, totally. And I will, I will give them credit. After this exploded on social media, I did get an email from their customer support like team lead. And she said, oh, we, we've actually canceled it. You're, you, won't, you won't have to pay the renewal fee. But in my opinion, it was too late. It was like, I already gave you the out. And so, you know, it's not like I went back and deleted my social posts because I feel like, you know, it's like you're only going to do right by your customers when you get called out. That's not cool, right? Yep. No, and I, I agree with you. I mean, many times within ours when somebody said, you know, hey, I forgot about this and whatever else, like the same thing you described, like, we'll go look at the account. We'll see what that looks like. And yep. we're going to propose something reasonable, right? Like it might not to, to some extent, I think it, it is fair to say like, hey, it's not on us to remind you yep. if, you know, to use it, to anything else like that. But it is easy to look at a number of these and say, okay, here's, here's meeting in the middle, which is very reasonable for both sides because we do want to treat you with a great amount of respect. We'd rather that you're like, yeah, it wasn't for me, but they were fine and they're easy to work with as opposed to, you know, how you ended up feeling and what you've now put out there. And even if even if someone who's come across that can't remember directly what went down with, you know, Darren Shaw's scorn, they definitely might have this feeling of, you know, I, I feel like I haven't heard the greatest things about them before. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, I look at it that way, too. If anyone comes back to us, it it happens infrequently enough that the goodwill you foster by, you know, helping out someone who needs a refund, that they, who knows what their reasons are for the refund, right? Like maybe, maybe that money is really important to their business. And they're like, 
dang it, this thing renewed. I wasn't using it. It's like, I, I don't want that money. I, I want to help you out. And so I would much rather not have a situation where someone feels crappy about my company because when they feel bad about company, they tell other people and that's about the worst thing you can have. Yep. Yeah. You definitely want to stay with that. So I, I think there's obviously some great takeaways here. Some of these seem like no brainers, but like the one is don't, don't create an environment where you like hold your customer hostage, right? Because yep. that's, that's really what they ended up doing is saying like, well, you know, no matter what, we're going to get this 200 and some bucks out of you. We, yep. we, we really don't care because the fine print says we can. And that, that at the end of the day is holding your customer hostage. Then after that, like you had communication, you introduced this in a number of ways and they obviously haven't, you know, trained or created a system inside of their company for that support rep to raise their hand and be like, Hey, I think we have a situation that could go sideways here or the customer being sure. upset. And I, and as another human, I feel like there might be some validity, right? It sounds like their only playbook is just to say, Nope, that's what it said. Nope, that's yeah. what it said. Like, yeah. That's that's just not how you solve problems or build any goodwill or relationship, whether they're going to be a short or long term customer. It's still someone out there talking about. It. And I think that's so important. It's like you know, what are we building here? What what are what's our company? We're supposed to help people solve some problem. We're we're going to do that with technology through our SaaS companies. And so, if you're not solving that problem, they're not even taking advantage of it. Then don't take their money. Yep. And provide good customer service. Be a good company. Be good people. Be a fellow human. Yep. Yeah. We actually, for any of our written agreements, are are like SOWs. They're for that term, a one-year or two-year term. And then we have to renew with you. Have a signed agreement. There's out clauses in there and things like that. It's it's very straightforward. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's about people can still respect you even if they're not going to work and use your product. And I think too many take it like, well, if you're not going to work with us, then we could give a crap how you feel or what you're going to say or do. That's, that's just silly. Yep. Yeah. So with that, I wanted to talk about like, there's some like not things to do within like pricing and how you structure working with you and stuff like that. And I, I wanted to spend just a little bit of time, you know, talking a little bit about pricing. I wanted to hear bit, you know, uh, here, like how you've approached some of those things, I can share some of our like sure. struggles and thoughts and challenges. But like pricing is such a complex thing, and so hard. As yeah, as I've learned over time, it's like you know, it's such both a, a science and math problem and an emotions psychological problem, right? And like that, yeah. that just makes for this you know constant combustion of of what's there and like how you look at things. So. Maybe share like as anytime you've done something and you've recently added services like your Google My Business as a service product, like yep, yep. How do you approach, you know, setting setting a price? Have you ever raised prices? Like I'm I'm curious to know some of those things for White Spark. Yeah, so it's so hard. I find pricing to just be a crapshoot most of the time, and it's like on one hand, pricing is based off of what I think the market value is. But then there is some math to it. It's like, what are our actual costs for this thing? And so you try to calculate the costs of, you know, your support team managing it, your dev team developing it, uh, your design team, putting all of these things together. And that's your sort of operating costs. And then you should have a markup on that for your profitability, right? And so, you know, when, I, when we launch something new, I try to factor in that math a little bit. But then, you know, sometimes it's hard not to be like, what is everyone else charging? 
And can we undercut them a little bit so that we're a bit cheaper? And, and I think that's a mistake I've made a few times where it's like, yes, that might be the case, but a race to the bottom is probably not what you want. And so I feel like I've mostly made mistakes with every price I've ever put out. <laughs> it's like, I look at our software, I'm like, no, it was too cheap. I look at our, our services and I'm like, dang it, we undercharged again. And so we're actually looking at raising prices for our GMB service because, you know, there's a lot of hidden costs that you don't even think about. And, you know, they start to eat into your profitability and your ability to grow a great company. And you need that revenue to grow a great company. And so you can just keep breaking even for the rest of the life of your company. But do you want growth and do you want to turn your company something big? And they, they talk about pricing. It's like the biggest lever you can pull. I saw a quote the other day that said, the number one thing you can do to grow your company is raise your price. And it's the easiest and quickest. It's like, boom, you just add X amount to your price and you just added X amount to your revenue. It's, and it's, it's true. Like if you can do it and not destroy your customer base, then do it. Yeah. I think an important like mindset and depending upon where you're at with your product stage of your company, like the biggest erosion I see is in like confidence, because especially when you're just starting out with a product, you're, you're kind of feeling like, all right, this isn't, you know, the best version of my product, right? We've got the staples out there, the, the base needs and things like that. And it just, I think it feels really hard for people to then say, you know, to, put a price out there that's anything but feeling like this needs to be cheap. Um, and I just don't want, I don't want price to like be an arguing point, right? Like that's where I don't want yeah. them to get head up. So if we, if we pick a price that like that feels good to me, usually for that business, that that feels good price is usually like too cheap. Right. And yeah. I've heard a lot about, you know, people doing experiments, especially when they're like, if they try to sell their product pre-revenue, or, you know, pre being put out there and they're talking to someone saying like, hey, would you, you know, we want to sell this, you know, would you buy it ahead of time? The release date is next month or whatever else, you know, would right. you pay this for it? Would you pay that? And like, keep increasing in those calls and seeing if you can land people at that higher, higher price to try to get you, yourself there. And that, to me, like yeah. some of that, yeah, that's really, it's really interesting because like, I, I don't even know the right way to frame this up, but it's like, I, I can tell you, I think what like our product is worth right now and what our pricing is are not, they're not aligned. Like sure. price rarely becomes uh, a sticking point. It does in, at certain times and certain customers, but that's like, that's business everywhere. And I think a lot of times people look at, I want to offer it at price where everyone can say yes to it. Yep. But that usually isn't living up to anywhere near what your value. and. You know, one thing that I know firsthand from like our life cycle is we started off way too low, like, like just way, way too low. And the climb out of when you're low, that's, that's hard because it's emotionally hard when you need to go raise prices because you start looking at each individual customer and then you're like, how are they going to react? Right. You know, if you have dozens or hundreds or even more of customers, you start looking at like each individual one and how are they going to react to when you put it, put that out there and what that looks like. So wouldn't you grandfather though? Like, you know, I kind of know what you're thinking with this stuff, but like, 
What about grandfathering? So you've got an existing customer base. You've already got them in at the product this price. So you wouldn't raise prices for them, but you increase your prices for everyone going forward. They get grandfathered in at the rate that they they signed up for. Yeah. So the one time we did a straight price raise, we actually did that, right? So it's like, you're basically saying moving forward, we're now charging. We moved from our lowest level plan was like uh, $29 a month and we moved it to $39 a month. That was three years ago now. And we said to our old customers, like, you are all staying there. Here's the new price on that. But what we all, we did at the same time too, that's when we only had one plan for our product. Right. Then we rolled out um, a couple of plans up above that and we used... We're, we more fall into our pricing setup is like feature gated. So it's like, here's, here's the five features you get at this price. Then you get another three features that are super valuable at this price. And then you get all of these at, at this price. So sure. you're, you're using different uh, features to move people up in their, in their plan price that's there. And I do believe that like grandfathering is good. The one thing I would caution people to do is like forever grandfathering. I do think is not a great idea. Yeah. Especially in SaaS because you level up your product so far. I think it's just far smarter to be able to say like, "Hey, we're going to do this for the next year, your price is going to stay the same." Or the next 2 years your price is going to stay the same. Um and I think it would have been even better if when we had done it, we we had set a time frame like we just said, "We're going to grandfather you. Your price isn't changing right now." We never said, "You're at this price forever." We didn't like close that door or tie ourselves down to that. Right. But I do wish in hindsight, even though it would have felt difficult, I wish we would have said your price is locked in for the next year or through, right? If we yep. did the raise in the middle of the year, 18 months, but you know, starting on Jan 1 of this date, you will move up to this price. And it's like, if you've kept that customer that long, you're delivering the value. You have every right to do that. And at that point, if they've been with you that long, they're committed to the product. And, and you know... That extra ten dollars a month, if it, if it, if that was what it was, that's not going to really be a deal breaker for them, and they probably will see the value. And in fact, if you communicate it really well, and you send that email that says, "Listen, since you signed up, look at all that we've added to our um, our features that you're benefiting from now. That you know, you know, this is why we're innovating. This is why this is, and then also tell them what this money is going to because." I guarantee all of us have a number of those price increasing emails in our inbox that we could look back at. And there's, there's so much precedence for this. And I think it's okay to raise your prices like that. How are you planning to do it? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that that you can share? Yeah. I mean, we kind of had some things in motion and COVID crushed that. Um, that yeah, would not totally. be the right time to, you know, we, we weren't essentially doing a I guess you could call it a pricing range, but if you consider us having like three plans, we were basically going to sunset our lowest level plan and right. move people up to that and say, you know, we're no longer offering this plan as of this time. Everyone will, you know, move up and have this plan. This is where all of our features are, you know, everything else. Right. So that that's how we, you know, we look for us instead of just saying, I think the the hardest price raise is when you say, hey. The exact same product that you have and you've always had, yeah. but now it's going to be twenty dollars more a month. Like that's 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 a harder one. Sure, um, still can and likely should be done in in many markets um, because you also have to take a look around you. Like when I look around at some of our competitors, especially in like smaller location deals, 
their price can be anywhere from like the the ones who I think are even close to us in like a feature set and value. Like they are three to five X more expensive. And that's just, yeah. yeah, it's like, why, why do we have to be the bargain basement price? Well, it's because we started there and we haven't found the right way to like cycle up, move whatever. And a lot of these guys like came to market at a much higher price and then have escalated from there and they're larger. So they have like even less care, yeah. right? Like the, the bigger you are, the less care you have with some of these things because you can play the numbers game. You'd realize, well, if we raise this much and we get 80% retention, here's the benefit. Like, here's how far in the plus we are on this. Yeah, totally. You can run the numbers. You can tell you exactly what it's worth to, to take the risk to upgrade. Yep. I wonder if there's any data out there, like other companies that have, there must be, we could find the, the blog posts where they raise prices. They tell you, you know, how much they raised their price by and how many customers they lost. And I bet you it's a relatively small amount. They probably didn't lose too many. Yeah, I I would definitely think that like, you know, the one sort of Patrick Campbell at ProfitWell puts out a ton of content on pricing. That's, you know, so much of their content marketing uh, strategy. They run a, right. they offer like a, a billing uh, system uh, to help you like run reports on, on all of your revenue and, and things like that. Um, but I, I've definitely from like being around and knowing a few other like SaaS companies and what they've done, like they've, they've, they've been really massive gains when they've done it. And the, the hard part as like uh, a founder or the person running the company, like you look at it, like, I don't want to lose anybody. Right. I want everybody to still be happy. I want to get the dollars um, from everyone. I, I feel like that's fair. Everything else. And so it emotionally becomes really hard for you because it's hard for you to say, well, we're going to lose 20% of our customers, but we're going to make 60% more, right? Like mathematically, you're like, that's a no brainer. Why are we not yeah. doing, why are we not doing this? And it allows us to like hire better people, keep progressing our team, invest in other technologies or processes, right? There's like all these wins with what you can do with the financial gain, but you just end up emotionally focused on, Somebody's going to be mad and they're going to leave us. And I'm going to feel bad that that customer left us over a $20 a month. Yeah. Nobody wants to feel bad. No, <laughs> no, bad no yeah. not at all. But you have to like free yourself of like doing that. And I think that's, that's the one that I think anyone going through a price range, like one of the biggest things you have to do is like learn to keep your emotional side in check, especially if you are yeah. rooted to. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to like us. I want everyone to think we're fair um, and those kind of things because that, that can you feel know, really difficult. It's kind of blowing my mind right now, the massive opportunity we missed. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but we launched a massive complete overhaul of our local citation finder software, which is our most subscribed system. And holy cow, did we miss the chance to raise our prices when we launched that? Jeez, we should have done that. Yeah. Like that would be the perfect time to raise prices. It'd be like, hey, we got a new local citation fighter. It's a hundred times better than the old one. And we're raising the price. Most people would have stayed with us. And all the new people signing up would be giving us more money today. So uh, yep. Yep. bad move. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of things inside of pricing where it's like, oh, should have done this, should have thought about it. Um, yeah. You know, and then. Uh, you know, we're not going to spend the time to go into it uh, today, but you know, then there's just a lot to think about how you do it, the timing, how you present it, 
Yeah. Communication is everything, right? There's there's right and wrong ways to do this. But like getting the number, getting the price increase is is one thing. And you have a lot of research and competitive landscape and you know what else you've delivered in the product and things like that. Like that's the part. I think the hardest part to execute on, I shouldn't say it's easy. The hard part is like, how do we get this right so that we give our customers time to adapt. We give them answers. It's yep. easy for them to understand how their pricing is changing, like all of that stuff. That's where I've seen companies like completely blow it or do a, a good job and like end up on the right side. Yeah, I think you know you you already suggested this, but you know if I'm thinking about our case, let's say I'm going to raise prices for our local citation finder. Um, I think I would almost double our prices across all of our plans. And I would grandfather in the existing users for a one-year time period. I think that would be a pretty decent approach. And so that way, any new people signing up for it were already making, the I think, what I would call the proper value for the tool. And then everyone else is on this sort of timeline where, you know, once that year is up, the it'll switch over. Everyone's price will increase. And I think the majority would stay with us still, too. Yeah. I, I think you could even go lower than that. I think you could lay it out in like six months. I think you could, rat, yeah, I think you could ratchet it down. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is something we should talk about offline because I think if you have another like next big feature and improvement plan, like totally. coming right up, yeah. yeah, that might just be the time. And you can always, even if you're not, not going to do anything grandfathering, like, and we did this with like our basic plan that we're going to sunset. We removed it off our website last summer. Like we're, we're not bringing, right. yeah, we're not bringing on any new customers on it. Yeah. And we're still seeing the same account growth mm-hmm. with a uh, entry level plan that is, you know, was now $35 a month higher. Right. It was like the difference between yep. 40 to $75. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like little things you can do, but I do think, like I said, from what we've done in the past, I would have done a, a timeline on grandfathering and just said, like, you're still going to keep your price through this amount of time. And then it is going to switch to this because of everything that we've added and done. Here's the latest edition. And there's going to be more additions by the time that, yep. you know, your your pricing increases. We know we're delivering that value. So, yeah, I think that's also another smart takeaway, a nice strategy. Drop your lowest level plan, you know, just drop it. And then going forward, you know, anyone that's on that plan, you could eventually upgrade them to the to the to the better plan because then it's a much easier sell because it's not just like, hey, you've got the existing product and we're going to charge you more for it. It's like we're moving you to the higher plan. So there's some justification with the price. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing like feature gated feature based plans like that, I totally think that's an opportunity. Obviously, that's a lot trickier if you end up in like, you know, seats or or number of users is what moves you through the plan. Um, or it can be a little trickier if you're like metric based, right? Where it's like uh, your plan's based on the number of email subscribers you have with us or the number of contacts in your CRM or the you know credits in this SMS marketing system. That can be a, a little bit trickier. But with all yep. these things, there are ways. But my biggest cautionary tale is like push yourself to the top of what you're comfortable with on pricing. Because once you put yourself out there, Moving away from that low price anchor, it's really mm-hmm. hard. And you will spend a lot of time, cycles, emotional value, like doing it. And there's even times where you you end up believing, no, we are maybe only worth that. And if you're doing the right things, you're not. You're worth so much more. Yep. Yep. Smart. Especially like for anyone who hasn't set their prices. Let's say they're in the early stages of developing. 
really put in the effort to do your research and and come out of the gates a little bit higher than you think that you should. I think there's everyone yep. should be doing that. If you if you can avoid leaving money on the table and starting from a place too low, you're going to be all that much better off as you move down the line of success. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, let's wrap. We're trying to make it a goal of not talking as long. I don't think we we didn't hit our goal, Darren, but we did. I know. We definitely didn't blow out a whole hour today, which we've done in the past. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 40 minutes. That's all right. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, hey, uh, if people get a chance, um, you know, this, uh, this will be out still well ahead of White Spark Summit. If you're interested in local SEO at all, uh, definitely uh, go to whitespark.ca and click on the summit tab. There's your shameless plug for that. I'm one of the speakers. Yeah. yeah the other 33 are fabulous. Um, I might be questionable, but I'm going to be there anyway. So uh, hopefully you'll, you'll take in my talk as well. And you're going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you're going to have to doctor it up quite a bit to get me to amazing. Okay. I don't think so. But all right. All right. Cool. Well, great catching up, Darren. Um, hopefully uh, your blood pressure is back down now and you're, you're fully vented on copper and you can move on with things and, and yeah. get back to normal. <laughs> yeah. I, I can get on with my life now. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> be all right. Okay. All right. All the best, man. Great talking with you. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. As always, we'd love it if you, uh, Drop us a question, drop us a reviews on whatever uh, platform you're listening to us, uh, or drop us any uh, suggestions for future podcast episodes. We'd love to hear from you and appreciate you listening. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Hey, bye.